0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Out Group podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. We today, Michael, have a guest. Hi, how, howdy, howdy. Howdy. There we Bring go. Bringing Howdy back. Howdy. Cool. Yeah, we have a guest today, Noah Heron. Herring? Heron. Heron? Yeah. Okay, I had it. it right. I had it right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool, right.
1: okay. well, man. Happy to have you on. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's an honor. I'm pumped to be here.
2: And then, uh, then the awkward <laughs> silence, <laughs> right? <laughs> Excited. <laughs> so. So, uh, we just got off of a conference yes. week here at City Church. Man, in, it was awesome. In Albany, Albany New York. Albany. Um, and Noah was one of our conference speakers, and mm. then. You also spoke for us this upcoming Sunday, which I'm so yeah. glad yeah. that you spoke this Sunday because yeah. I have nothing left in me to give right now. It
1: was great, yeah. Like,
2: uh, And dude, you tore it up. You it's tore me. it up. You had Thank me you. crying both <laughs> times, both times.
1: We, we cry too much, man. Uh, I feel like... When we are together, that um, it is today. It's raining here in Albany, and uh, it was (laughs) raining on the inside of church today too. Um, we were crying a lot, but it's okay, man. I'm glad I have someone who cries too. I
2: I know. So, (laughs) let's start with our first question. Are you a crier? I'm definitely a
1: crier. Oh, um, you, I Jesus. used to not be. I, I, I really mean it. I used to not be, and then I think I got married, and I started watching chick flicks the past four <laughs> months. That, that does it. And now I yeah. cry. It's yeah. crazy. Vince Vaughn, man, he makes <laughs> yeah. me cry.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Nathan, are you a crier?
0: Uh, I can be, and after last night, I would say. I mean, that's evident, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Normally, Nathan doesn't cry. Normally. Normally, unless I start crying, and then <laughs> and
0: then on it's our contagious. Trips, man, it is, it's, especially with Michael, right? I know. Yeah. Two things with you when we travel together is crying and peeing.
2: Oh, yeah. All right, so let's talk about this. All right, so we're going to get to a serious point, but let's yeah. just – all right, so I have, I have this thing whenever I'm flying. If I'm not okay. in first class, I yeah. start to freak out because the bathroom is going to be you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 feet away. Yeah. And, and if I'm not on an aisle seat, then we have a major problem because I have to disturb two other people – To go to the bathroom, yeah. And so, Nathan, what do I do if now if we're in first class? I don't care.
0: Leading up to boarding, when they're like, "Oh, you know, we're about to get boarding, seat, all stuff." He will go to the bathroom no less than four times. No way. Yeah, just to empty the tank. Empty more than once. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, tiptoeing over people kind of gives you anxiety. I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, You said when when you're not in first class, uh, do you normally do you normally fly first class? I I don't know what that's like. I'm trying to. (laughs) Can you can you share that experience? So I've never flown it before. I met Michael. <laughs> Michael's the
0: first Michael's class. Michael's the man. first class man. Like almost to a fault, he's the first class man. <laughs> so
2: now there are there are ways, you know, uh, what's his name? TPG needs to just do a podcast with this uh, with us. But uh, there are ways to get first class without having to pay for right. first class ah. point upgrades. Obviously okay. upgrades. Yeah. You know, you're you're a medallion, yeah, a medallion member, a medallion so you member. understand. Yeah. Um. I think
0: I'm number one tomorrow.
2: So nice, nice. And so, Dang. but here's, here's a, so one of our elders, uh, he, I flew with him to a conference okay. and, and somehow he got us in first class. And I, I think we paid like a hundred bucks or something. And once you go first class, you never go back, man. It's just you so nice. You can go back. Yeah, you can't you can short quite. Under
1: <laughs> under two hours. You take a look at the bank account. You can go back. You, you can <laughs> definitely go back.
2: Yeah, Now here's the thing. I do have limits. I will not spend a massive amount of money on a first yeah. class ticket. But yeah. if I could use points or if yeah. I get upgrades, like my, my last trip to Texas... Um, I literally got upgraded three times, oh, and wow. then the only flight I didn't get upgraded, and oh, I got upgraded to comfort, was uh, the flight from MSP okay. to Albany. Okay. And so, but outside of that, I was I was in first class the yeah. whole time, and I enjoyed it, meal and everything. It was great.
1: Man, yeah. what a blessing! One day I'll get there. One so day. So you've I'll, never I'll flown day. first class. I've never flown flown first class. So on our honeymoon. Um, we were, we went to Cancun for a nice. honeymoon and we were flying out of Atlanta. And like, I, I kind of approached the points the, a different way. I like stack them up so I can use them for Vacations. like whole flights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've had the opportunity to upgrade and stuff, I've just never done it. But on our honeymoon, um They had overbooked our flight to Cancun and mm. they were doing the thing like, hey, will anyone get off? Like, we'll walk we'll Oh, that was my stuff. favorite thing. And it normally is too, but I'm thinking, man, this is my honeymoon. Yeah, you like, can't do want there. So they start going, right? They're like, we're, we'll give $200. Like, we'll give $400. We'll... It literally got to $1,600. Wow. They're like, we will give you and the person you're traveling with $1,600 a piece plus a first class ticket on the flight tomorrow. And my wife is like, we got to do it. We got to do it. And I'm like, babe, I've waited my whole life for this moment. For this moment. This We're moment. not doing it. She's still so mad. Like, we <laughs> think about what we could do with $3,200. And two- we had our moment for first class and we missed it because yeah, I, wow. I couldn't wait anymore. I waited my whole life for, for the honeymoon.
0: Yeah,
1: I love I, you, Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh,
2: that's awesome! So, hey, let's uh, let's dive into a little of your story. I think it's pretty unique. Is uh, you got you're 24 years old. Yeah. You grew up in church, but you yeah. didn't really get saved and become a Christian until 21. Yeah. And then you start a Bible study. Yeah. And your Bible study has turned into a gathering of 1,200 people. <laughs> Tell insane. us about this, insane. man. That's in, insane. That's like revi- this is yeah. almost like Pentecost. Yeah. You know, you just need 800 <laughs> more, and it's
1: you <laughs> Man. Wait, is
2: it two thousand or three thousand? Anyways, yeah. I <laughs> just go on. Like, with that. I yeah, promise yeah. you, I know my theology. Go ahead. What's your story, man? Yeah,
1: man. So, um, yeah, I grew up in church. My parents are are amazing. It's not like the story of like growing up and and you know, uh, your. It's not the story of your parents being like crazy Christians who mm-hmm. you know tie you to the pew. Although there were moments. Uh, <laughs> but my parents are pastors, and um, we pastor. My parents pastored uh, a really big and thriving church in Tampa, and so that's where I grew up. And um, growing up in the biggest church in town, everyone kind of knew our family. They knew me. Mm -hmm. And um, there was like a pressure that came with being a pastor's kid. Um, You know, the glass house pressure. And um, when a normal kid messed up, a kid who wasn't a pastor's kid, you know, it was, oh, they're a kid, they're growing up, they got maturing to do. But when I messed up, it reflected on my family, it reflected on our our reputation, it reflected on the church. And I felt that pressure from a a young age and really struggled with church in general. I saw a lot of things behind the scenes Um, and I look back on that time now and I see that I had a misrepresentation of Jesus and took a lot of things I saw in church and put it on Jesus. Mm. Um, And by the time I got to high school, I had just decided this isn't for me. Mm. Uh, I don't want to spend my life... Doing something that felt fake, doing something that felt forced, and um, I just had a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, a lot of bitterness in my heart. So long story short, I get to college and just kind of went off the deep end in college, typical uh, rebellious, uh, I'm going to go party and sow my wild oats thing. And, um, I was studying to be a, I wanted to be a ESPN broadcaster. I wanted to be the white Stuart Scott. That's who I wanted (laughs) to be. And someone sent me a clip of a Judas Smith message and they were like, Hey, I know that you don't really care about, um, religion, but you need to check out this pastor. He's hilarious. I think you would really like the way he communicates. And so um, I, I look up Judah Smith, and the first thing that I find online is a message.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say Justin Bieber. No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was second. I saw that, yeah, right after. But uh, he had a message called Jesus Turned Around, and um, I watched this 40-minute message in my apartment in Cleveland, Tennessee. And at the end of this message, I was just weeping. Gave my life to Jesus in that moment in my room, through a YouTube sermon. And it just, um, it was the first time in my life where I really, really, really felt like I had encountered Jesus for real. like for me like um not my parents faith not someone else's faith not religion i had encountered jesus and it was really a realization of god's grace and what that actually looked like jesus didn't turn around to condemn me didn't turn around to say hey i want you to earn it he he turned around to love me and to to welcome me into his arms and that was just a, a really um powerful moment in my life and i look back and I realized that uh, I, I knew more than most people my age growing up in church about the Bible, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. Yeah. And I think that that's possible um, in 2019 for that to be the case. But yeah, that's how my story started was, was there and uh, came back, uh, actually interned for Pastor Judah out in Seattle mm. for a couple of months after that. Um, I really wanted to, to see what God was doing out there. And when I got back from Seattle, I had one semester left of college, and a few friends and I, we decided we wanted to start a Bible study. We just had a lot of passion, and we wanted to be um, different. Uh, where I'm from, there's a lot of religious apathy. A lot of people who go to church, but they're they're really excited uh, when the pastor says, in closing, and that's kind of like the most exciting part of the Sunday yeah. experience. Mm-hmm and we wanted it to be different we had all this passion we're like we should be the most excited people on earth we should love church we should do something and so we started a bible study uh nine people in a room and um, within about a month and a half, we had almost 200 college students showing wow. up. And it wasn't something we were advertising. It wasn't something that we were trying to promote. It was literally God doing his thing for an hour in a room and people leaving and, and inviting people. It was like, yeah. we went from nine to 20. We went from 20 to 40, we went from 40 to 80. I mean, people were just bringing people to this Bible study. Um, we moved to a, uh, lecture hall on campus at Lee okay. University, and um, I'd never preached before, but we, uh, we couldn't do a, the Bible study. My friend David, he's our worship leader now, he was like, dude, you're gonna have to preach tonight, one night. We had like 120 people show up, and he's like, you're gonna have to preach. Like, we can't do a Bible study like this. I was like, you're gonna have to preach. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, get off my back, um, and so that night was my first sermon. I preached for seven minutes, and Yes. Uh, it was completely a rip from Pastor Judah. So Judah, thank you so much for letting me borrow seven minutes of sermon material. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could say that was the only time I've done that. But um, yeah, that's, that's how we started. And, and there's a pastor. He's my lead pastor now. His name is Mark Williams. He, he started coming to our services. And um, the day before I graduated, he asked if I would go to lunch with him. And he just was like, hey, we want to reach young people. And I know that you're about to have to start paying your school loans and paying the bills. Why don't you come and um, reach young people at our church and do what you're doing now here at our church? And so that's where the gathering, which is the, the ministry that I've had the honor to lead for um, the past two years, six months as a Bible study, two months <laughs> as an official ministry at a church. And um, man, it's just crazy to see we have... The, the same uh, core people that were there two and a half years ago um, at the Bible study still lead it now. And it's really, really amazing uh-huh. to see what God's been doing. It's it's um, it's one of those situations where uh, when you come and you experience what God's doing, you can't give anybody credit except yeah. for God. Yeah. And yeah. I, I want to live my life in a way that only God can get the credit for it. And so really cool.
2: Yeah. yeah so you're a young dude. Yeah. you almost have a mega church <laughs> as a young adults ministry. I mean, this is this is unprecedented, you know, especially up here, you know, like mm. something I, we I may have said from stage at conference or I may have told you, but like a good young adults mm. group here is yeah. 30, people. Yeah. Yep. 30 people. I mean, 30 people. mean, it's awesome. And and so oh, it oh, it absolutely yeah. is, but uh Look at you! Always encouraging, man. That's one of the things I like about you. You're so stinking encouraging. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just depressed, and I go on Twitter, and I find your tweets, and I'm like, thank you, Noah. Thank you. I just start preaching your tweets to myself. Oh you know? my goodness. Um, but like, so you're a young dude, yeah. fresh out of college. Yeah. Uh, you're leading this this movement, um, this guy, this Jesus movement, essentially. Yeah. How did you handle the leadership pressure mm-hmm. of like literally stepping into an area that you've never stepped in yeah. and having to lead hundreds of, of young people yeah. uh, in the same direction?
1: Yeah. Honestly, that has been the trickiest part because um, I find it much easier to lead people Uh, that are younger than me. Mm. Um, So like high schoolers, it's easy for me to tell a high schooler because I've been through that, but college students, they're they're the same age as me. A lot of the people that come to our group are older than me. And so when I first started out, that was a a real insecurity of mine is why would they want to follow my leadership? Um, And I think in scripture, whenever you see leaders, you see a consecration that um, has to take place. And so as I was battling this doubt and this, these struggles, um, I started to look at people like like Moses. I'm not comparing myself to Moses, <laughs> but I started to look at their example, people like yeah. Joshua, um, people like Caleb. And um, there was this consecration that always took place. I, I've heard that uh, anointing, there, there's levels of anointing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think um, a deep, deep anointing only comes through uh, a crushing and a pressing. Yeah. And at twenty four years old, I do not have the same crushing and pressing. I haven't gone through the same crushing and pressing that you have. Mm-hmm. Or 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 uh T D Jakes, right? Yeah. Like TD Jakes. Ready. Get ready. Get ready, get <laughs> yeah. ready, He has this this anointing that you can only get through experience and through crushing and through time. And I didn't have that. And I was like, God, I, I want to be anointed. I want to be um, a great leader. How Mm -hmm. can I do this? And I felt like he asked me to do a couple of things. He asked me to consecrate myself. Um, And so for me, that looked like just sacrificing some different things in my life and just being like, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice this time um, for you. I'm going to sacrifice this time and get in your word and just trust that um, if I do this, I'm going to be able to operate out of an overflow. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just started asking God, God, give me favor and give me anointing give me favor and give me anointing and um i really look at the gatherings early stages and see that that um a huge part of how this all came together was our leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, They chose to follow me when no one else would, and other people followed their example. And so the story of the gathering is um, a story of a bunch of leaders consecrating themselves and them following me when they didn't have a reason to and the vision that God had given me. Um, and I really think that, uh, I, w- I wish that my team was here doing this podcast with me because they are the heroes. Like they're the ones who set the culture and established, like, this is going to be a thing. And this is That's us awesome. chasing Jesus's vision. Yeah.
2: Well, That's we awesome. have taken the podcast on the road before. So yes. if you come ever, on. Oh, yeah, uh, come
1: on. Yeah,
0: yeah. no,
2: I'm being serious. Come on. Um, so you're, you're talking about like consecrate, consecrating yourself. Yeah. You I'm tired folks. I'm yeah. tired. Uh, I, I know that I think that that's all I deal with people a lot that they come into our I I want to say this carefully I've dealt with people who come in and they have almost like a savior complexion towards mm. reaching people and yeah. stuff and I know for me I've learned that that you have to you have to trust the process I yeah. was talking to a pastor yesterday Absolutely. you have to trust the process and sometimes the process uh, is not fun. So whenever you're you are going through the process mm-hmm. of like allowing God to crush you, yeah. Um, how did you handle, how did you spiritually speaking and emotionally speaking, how did yeah. you handle that as a leader while still having to lead?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people don't know the first year of the gathering was the hardest year of my entire life. I mean, on the outside, we were seeing exponential growth, but on the inside, um, I'd been in a, a relationship for four years that um, ended pretty tragically. I thought that this girl I was going to marry, and um, that ended uh, within a couple months of the gathering started um, starting. Uh, I dealt with loneliness and depression like I had never um, felt in my life, and the entire time I felt like uh, God was just leading me on this path of, of um, I'm gonna replace that with me. Yeah, I'm gonna replace wow. that with me. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And it was a year process of God taking these things that um, held all of my hopes and all of my joy and replacing it with things that were gonna fulfill me for forever. Mm. Um, I think the the practical consecration it really looked like I was dealing with loneliness, and um, and I. F- I started to fall in love with, with a, uh, God's Word and a discipline for, for God's Word. And I knew that the deeper I could go there, um, that the deeper I was going to feel that joy and that fulfillment yeah. that I was craving. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. I, I, so I have a—we don't have too much longer. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I have a few questions. Yeah. We're going to go rapid fire yeah, let's do it. For, for a few minutes. That's good. Um, so you grew up as a pastor's yeah. kid. You got saved whenever you're 21 years old, yeah. but you grew up in the church. There's a disconnect with that. For me, who now has kids that are pastors' yeah. kids and living in that limelight, what what advice would you give to a pastor as parents? Yeah, um, while trying to raise their That's children question. in the church. Yeah.
1: I love that my parents let me have my space. I think if they had tried to force it when they saw me going away, I think I would have ran further. Mm-hmm. I really do, and um, I, I I would just say uh, leave room for doubt uh, like, like create a space where doubt is okay. I really think that the doubt is, um, it strengthened my faith in the long run. Like it really did. And I think a lot of times when people struggle with doubt, the church is just like, well, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't struggle with that. Like this is, this is right. This is true. Um, so that would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah.
2: Okay. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. All right, shifting gears again, rapid fire. Yeah. So team building, yeah. uh, how, how have you guys developed teams? Um, obviously, a fairly large team to be able mm-hmm. to operate 1,200 people. Yeah. How, have you, how have you guys been able to, to develop teams and scale to the growth?
1: So logistically, we have a leadership team um, of eight people. Those are people that I would trust with anything. Um, I would trust our entire team with anything, but they're the ones that have been through the Thick and thin. I mean, they've been there since the beginning. And each one of those leaders, um, we spend time, my wife and I, every single Sunday night with them. We kind of do a small group with them where we try to pour into them and empower them and speak life over them. And we also kind of practically take a look from the outside of our ministry of of how can we improve. And we kind of have those conversations weekly. Um, Each one of those leaders is over a small group and every single person in a small group serves on our on our uh, serve team we call it the dream team and so we have about 75 people serving Um, they're all in small groups and that's kind of the the um, structure of how we do things at the gathering is we have the leadership team is the is the tight core. Then it goes to a serve team, which they're serving. They all have different roles, whether it's media, worship, greeting, whatever. Yeah. And then from there, they are empowered in those small groups to go and, and try to bring people in. Um, and so we're trying to use the model of Jesus, right? We want to make disciples. Yeah, right. um, and we learned really quickly that I can't disciple every single person that walks in right. the door, but we do have leaders who can. Right. And so um, I think if you want to grow a ministry, if you want to grow a church, the first thing you have to do is you have to grow disciples. Mm, and yeah. so um, how, how fast do you want to grow? Well, how fast can you make disciples? That's, yeah. that's kind of the question we're asking. So now we're like, okay, if we want to keep seeing people... Um saved for Jesus, well, then we've got to make another disciple. How can we eliminate things that are keeping us from making disciples That's good? Yeah yeah that's yeah good. I know
2: there was there was one particular person I was talking to um, and anyways, they were talking about church planners and stuff and one of the things they said is like don't go don't go plan it. whenever you whenever you can show me your disciples, then mm. you can go plan a church I love it. Yeah. that's good. That's kind, that's of, good. That's kind of what he was saying. Um, who's your biggest influence right now in the Christian culture?
1: Man, uh, it's still Pastor Judah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, look, that guy. I'm, I'm going to be honest I with you. I've guy.
2: totally been like Saturday night having a hard time. YouTube or Google. Yeah. Judah Smith, Sermon on Love. Like, all right, yeah. for instance, so we're, we're, we're doing the First John series right yeah. now he's one of the series that I ended up gleaning from mm. uh, for this series, yeah. and, and he isn't the only one, but there's just some points that he, yeah. like, he calls John, Grandpa John. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I'm gonna steal Grandpa John! So it. our <laughs> church knows, like, you know, Pastor Mike calls him Grandpa John. Well, really, Pastor it. Judah calls him Grandpa John, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, and then my old pastor in Texas, I gleaned from him, so Pastor Judah, okay. Yeah, Pastor um, Judah. Culturally speaking, mm. uh, what about uh, church-wise? Like, who do you guys look at um, mm. as far as the gathering culture and the culture yeah. you're trying to create
1: man i i really really love um i really love honor the culture like a culture of honor and uh Voo church in miami i think does an amazing job of of honoring people uh being around their staff and being around um some of the things that they do with their team everybody on their team is just i mean like like someone on their team could maybe release a an al, like an album or something on the side mm-hmm. like a music album. Let's just use this in, as an example. And you could be like, "Yo, I heard your album, man. It's so good." And the p- people on their team would be like, "You know what? You're the best album listener I've ever heard." Hey guys, come gather around. Like they just like deflect and like honor people in such a way. Wow. Um, I love their culture. I also love that they are in a city, um, reaching lost people. I just like. Man, if we're not, if our mission as as uh, leaders and as churches is not to reach the lost, like what are we doing? Like we can pack out arenas and and have crazy conferences, but if our goal is not to yeah. fill heaven, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I really love their church, the mission of their church. I love your church, man. Like <laughs> you're, we're in Albany, New York, right now, and literally I saw someone give their life to Jesus this morning in your church. Like it's incredible, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, thank yeah. you.
2: Um, what's it like being married?
1: It's the greatest. I wish you would have told me to do it sooner. Um, (laughs) It's incredible. Uh, I cannot wait to see my wife tonight. Um, I know she can't wait to see me. Um, (laughs) So uh, It's
2: amazing. Quick quick side story, and then I've got one last question for you. Uh, Quick side story is, at our church, um, a few years ago, we preached 12 weeks through the Song of Solomon. Twelve
1: weeks. Twelve weeks. Is this on I, podcast? I, well,
2: I, no, I don't think. I don't, I don't. Yeah, it was while we were at the hotel. I think we recorded it and then we took it down. because it was like a few weeks that were missed. iTunes was gonna pull it, it off. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Moral explicit, right? Yeah. Well, let, me, let me just put it this way: I had I had some older people in the church who literally said, "Hey, we're not leaving the church, but we're not coming back to church till you're done with this series." Because oh it goodness. was very much a rated R. Wow. Series, but out of that series um every married couple in the church had kids or ended up getting praise god i love it
0: yeah well, I wasn't married at the time, yeah, actually. You so yeah, yeah, you weren't married. I hope you weren't. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, we're going to have a different conversation <laughs> then. The
2: so, yeah, 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 so, um, so let me just give some marital advice. Please do. Read Song of Solomon. Oh. Man, it's... And I mean, dig in deep, because it's...
1: Man, I don't know if I want to. We're not ready for kids yet. So, we're definitely practicing, too. All right, but... well,
2: then, then, <laughs> then stop maybe around chapter six. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: But That's uh, awesome.
2: all right. So last question. First and yeah. f- foremost, I just want to tell you thank you for being up here. It's really yeah, been an honor to yeah, get to know you. Yeah, it's really Amazing. And uh, yeah. you're you're a dope dude, and uh, you're saucy. Right? <laughs> saucy, saucy. <laughs> so uh, that yeah. one hasn't that one hasn't called up here yet. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, you are definitely on the front, the cusp of like leading the next generation, the generation mm. rising up right now, and with social media, who you have a huge presence on. Uh, especially Twitter, like, I mean, just it, it amazes me. Um, what do you see the future of the church being in reaching mm-hmm. people?
1: Man, I see it being unified first and foremost. I think, um, I think God is looking for some young leaders who put aside preference and they put aside uh disagreements for the greater cause yeah. and, the, and the greater good. I think a lot of times on social media, um, I see the church kind of in this tension of of arguing and and going back and forth. And the people, I, I don't know, man. I think there are so many problems in our world. Yeah. People don't, they're not looking for for someone to highlight more problems. They're looking Mm -hmm. for people to highlight a solution. Mm -hmm. And we have the solution. Like I, I think the future of the church looks like rallying around the solution of Jesus Christ and putting aside the rest and saying, Hey, this is it. This is what yeah. we're gonna we're gonna die on the mountain of Jesus. We're not gonna die on the mountain of politics. We're not gonna yeah, die on. on the mountain of, of, of religious preference and theology and all these different things. Do we need good theology? Yes, but we're gonna die on the mountain of Jesus because it's by hit, it's by Um, he is the way, the truth and the life. It's only through him that we're getting to heaven. It's only through him that these people who have problems and issues are going to find freedom and peace and hope and joy. And so I think it's going to be unified. Um, I love right now what's happening through social media, through culture. I think that, uh, God is really up to something special. Um, yeah. I mean, yesterday, Kanye came out with Jesus is King. I oh, mean, yeah. literally yeah. two years ago, Kanye was calling himself King, and now he's calling Jesus King. I think that we're living in a really, really special time, and we're going to see God continue to use people like Kanye, who Christians said, wow, you know, that's someone that that is totally against God. And God just said, nope, yeah. here he is. Yeah. He's a part of my plan, wow. too. And so um, I think it's going to be unified. It's going to be open to God using people that we don't think he's going to use. And I think that we're going to see a young group of people on fire, hair on fire, um, charging the gates of hell. Rich Wilkerson has this quote. He says, I want my church to smell like smoke because we went into hell and grabbed people out (laughs) and brought them to Jesus. Um, I want to smell like smoke. Um, yeah. I think the future of the church smells like smoke.
2: That's awesome. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good stuff. Hey, yeah. thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys yeah, so much. Thanks man. for being up it's, here, man. It's been an honor. Love to get to hang with you guys and, uh, everyone listening to this podcast. You need to come visit City Church Albany. It's pretty amazing and uh, have Mike take you to go get wings like we're about to. I'm really (laughs) looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for being on. Is there a place you want to shout out your tags? People can find you, all that? Yeah, yeah,
1: you can. um, We have a podcast. It's uh, The Gathering. Uh, There's a ton of gatherings, so just search The Gathering with Noah Heron. You can find it, and um, I'm on social media. I would love to connect.
0: Awesome. Yeah, if everyone listens to the podcast, you can find us at insideoutgroup.org or anyone's anywhere at social media at insideoutgroup. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.